0: Okay, good evening, everybody. Um, For those of you who are here this morning, please don't panic. This isn't just simply a rereading of this morning's notes for you. Um, As I said this morning, though, I really feel like God's kind of bringing some things together. I feel like he's been doing some things that kind of move beyond our control. Uh, Last Sunday, for those of you that don't know, was BMS's Day of Prayer, which had been written into part of Mark's structure but was well outside of my capacity to think about in the short time I had. So it became evident that I still wanted us to take some time as a church to pray for the work that BMS do. And as I said, this morning had an opportunity to be away at Saundersfoot with some other ministers and BMS had a section there. And again, it just felt like God was reminding me of that. So when I looked at this passage, I kind of realized that we can use it as a Sunday school message it's something that we talk about with kids. We can use it, as we did this morning, in a very practical sense to challenge ourselves. And we can also look at it from a very spiritual sense. A very real sense of how is it that we feel we should respond. Because in the passage we read of an immediate problem. A situation practically in front of the people. They choose to pass by. They choose to help. But the person is robbed. He's left to die And how we, as people, choose to respond to the situations that come before us is important. It's key, the people that we want to be, how we respond in those moments. But what happens when that practical response is taken away from us? How do we choose to respond? Who do we want to be when we can't simply be the solution to the problem? For whatever reason, maybe it's that it's outside of our skill set. Maybe we really haven't got the space, the time, or the opportunity to be involved. Maybe it's because it's no longer just in our neighborhood, but it's in our world. How do we read these kind of texts and then respond with that heart that Jesus tells us to have when it's not practical, when it's not something we can get our hands on? I do believe Jesus uses these three people as an example for us to look at ourselves and how we respond, but I do also believe we can look at it from a spiritual level. So I'm going to rebuild the story a little bit for you, just put it into a slightly different context. Please don't think for a minute that I am rebuilding the Bible. This isn't. This is just merely using the pattern of the story to create another one for ourselves. There's a country that's in transition. It's beginning to rebuild its economy, its whole structure, and its people. When two disasters strike... First, there's a huge earthquake, which tore down buildings, left millions homeless, without water or food. Secondly, around that time, a new leader was installed, who left the world wondering if there was any good left in that country. Churches were caught in conflict, the need was real, but the leader had isolated the country from the traditional forms of support. Christians saw the need, and they threw their coins into the collection tins, but without any intimate knowledge of the problem. Then a group of young activists and Christians united to pray. They sent money, but they also used organizations who allowed them to send food parcels and gifts. A few of them had the chance to travel to the country, whilst others who were unable to travel committed to ongoing prayer and support for the people trapped both by poverty and depression. You see, when we look at the text that Jesus talks, the parable that he tells We can take that layer away and we can see a common continuum, a problem that reoccurs and reoccurs, which is there is a need and there is always an excuse to ignore it. There's always a valid reason for us to ignore it. For the priest, as we heard this morning, he didn't want to get unceremoniously clean. For us as a church, when we look at the world, sometimes we just get caught out. We begin to wonder whether it's right to support some of these places, to pour into them when the government is so corrupt. So how we respond is key. Do we respond like the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan? I want to ask a collection of questions. I want you to answer them honestly for yourself. You don't need to respond out loud. But I want us to honestly ask ourselves these questions. How many of us are still praying for Chad now that the team's back? How many of us still remember Chad in our prayers now that we don't have an investment in that country directly from people from this church? How many of us can honestly say that we pray for Tear Fund, the leprosy mission, or Wales, when it's not the focus of that month, when there's not an inlay in our newsletter to remind us? How many of us know the percentage of people currently caught in poverty... In North Korea, it's very easy for us to hear these things, to know of these things, but do we commit to finding out more? To knowing more? I had the privilege of spending some time with Peter Cho, and he was saying to me that the projection that we receive of North Korea, that the news give us, is incredibly isolated. They estimate that about 1% of the population lives in the capital they live above the poverty line. That leaves 99 regular civilians, regular people living below poverty. Another thing that I was completely unaware of, a lot of this message is written from my own challenges, I was completely unaware of the fact that you aren't allowed to cut travel from village to village in North Korea. So if we had no food in riska but Cross Keys and Rogerston did, we couldn't go. We wouldn't be allowed to. At the risk of death, to travel, to find food. It is a country that is in desperate need of prayer and help, and yet all we see from the news is a dictator, a leader, who threatens our peace. How do we respond when the challenge is that real? How many of us remember to pray for Haiti all these years after that country was nearly destroyed? Nearly destroyed. Yet, as the news cycle flows... As our attention is taken to other things, we seem to step back from our responsibility as the Good Samaritan. We move into the role of the Levite and the priest. Life's moving on, we're busy, we've got other things to do. Other things take our attention. We're going to use a video in a moment where BMS just explain how they support countries that have been rocked by devastation. Um, there is a whole section about giving in it. That's not the bit I want us to focus on. I just want us to listen to the process that they've put in place to deal with this. Verse 35 of the passage that we read, the next day he took out two denier, gave them to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. It is very easy to respond in the moment. The videos that we watch, the things that the news cycles have are so heart-wrenching. We're compelled to respond but as the news cycle fades, as our attention is drawn to other things, how do we continue to help a country rebuild from nothing? How do we equip ourselves as a people to continue being the Good Samaritan beyond the initial impact? So we're just going to watch this video together just to give us some insight into the amazing work that BMS do beyond the news cycle.
1: We all know how it works. Disasters happen, we don't know why. The poor suffer, you donate money, the West swoops in and fixes everything. Everyone lives happily ever after. It's a comforting thought, but it's not how it works. A disaster may be news for a month, but the recovery process can take decades. Rebuilding homes, roads, schools, Hospitals, economies, the social fabric can take years. Psychological scars don't heal when TV crews leave, and outsiders don't always know best. That's why BMS works with local partners, sends money more often than people, or goods that threaten local economies, and gives more grants to long-term recovery than immediate relief why we pay for food and medicine, as well as trauma counselling and rehabilitation. We react to disasters, but we also prepare for them. Funding disaster readiness around the world and building resilience in high-risk areas. Raising money before disasters happen from people like you, so that when they do, we respond immediately. The important part is you. Without your giving, none of this happens. With your giving, it can. That's how it works. Give now to BMS Disaster Recovery.
0: As I said, please don't think that was simply just a plug for us. Oh, too far. No. There we are. It wasn't a plug for us to give more money. I just wanted to highlight how quickly we get caught up in that belief that we are the solution. That we can do something in the moment and as the news cycle fades, that country's fine now. Everything's hunky-dory, we knew best. It's very easy for us to forget the responsibility that we have for the world. I wonder in my final question, how many of us pray for America? And for... The constant news headline that is Donald Trump. The question is this, really for me, how often do I pray for a man that I'm more than happy to criticize? How often do I pray for a country that I spend my time laughing at the disarray that their leader's putting them in? Because whilst there's an element of humour to watch someone just crumble in the public eye like that, it's real people's lives. It's a very real situation, a very real problem that they have there. And yet I find myself shaking my head in disbelief more often than I bow it in prayer. We're called to be good Samaritans. It's not just a clever Sunday school story that we use to tell children that they have to be good and behave and listen well. I believe it's a warning to us about how to truly love like Jesus, an example for us to know how to respond to the need we see both practically and beyond our borders. I want to touch on that Micah verse that we had, but I'm just going to read it from the message. He's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. As we read in that verse, we begin to realize that our neighbor is not just the person who lives next door to us. Our neighbour, our neighbourhood goes way beyond the circle of influence we hold. There is a responsibility as humankind for this earth. For the other people on this earth. For one another. So how then do we respond in fairness and justice? How are we compassionate and loyal to people beyond that border? please don't think for a minute, I don't think this church is called to risk a We are. We absolutely are. The way we respond as people to the world out there, how they see us react to things, is key for them getting a glimpse of Jesus. The words we speak, the time we take with them, the prayers we say for them are so important. But I also believe this, if we, the church, won't stand up like the Good Samaritan did for the world, who will? who will step up, who will pray, who will give, who will reinstall, believe in, give a future to, those who have nothing, if the church won't. That's the challenge that we face. From work to our home life, from Risker to the whole world, the Good Samaritan can be, and I believe should be, the model by which we look to live our lives by. The Good Samaritan story is that perfect, easy understanding version of what Jesus was doing. Stepping in the gap for those that fell short, restoring those who lacked wholeness, breaking an injustice. So sometimes it's practical. Sometimes that response is practical, sometimes it's financial. I believe every time, every single time, it's spiritual. Every single time it's spiritual. So the challenge to us is how do we pray? How do we pray for these things? The world is doing what the world does. The streets out there are doing what they do. Our own lives have going on what they have going on. We can do all sorts to solve the problems. How often do we pray for them? How often do we stop and pray. We're going to finish this section in a moment just by watching BMS's video for this year. It just explains a prayer room they set up. I was quite pleased to know that we're on curve with BMS, with our prayer room. They set a prayer room up. And they prayed. And then we're going to have a time of prayer. Please don't think it's a cop-out. Don't think it's just an easy way to end the service or a nice way to kind of follow on from what I've said. Oh, if we have a prayer time, then we're done, and we can box that into our Good Samaritan Sunday and tuck it back in the cupboard. The reason we're going to pray is it's the one thing we have that makes a difference every time. It's the one thing we have that we can always go to, no matter what resources we have, no matter, no matter what space we find ourselves in. Prayer is always available. When we look at the world, when we look at our lives, we could bury our heads in the sand. We can consider it their problem, someone else's issue to deal with. We could end now and have a lovely cup of tea. Or I believe we can become the Good Samaritan. I believe that we can stop, make time in our days, stop the things that we are doing and engage in this world's problems with God. God. That we can personally journey the world's problems with God. I love that Micah verse. I always have. I've always been drawn to short sections of passage that outline how I think humanity works. It is most stunning. Be fair and just to your neighbour, compassionate and loving. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. I don't want to be a blind giver. I don't want to just put money in pots. I want to find out what I'm giving to. Please don't think I'm saying stop giving. It's not what I'm saying, but find out. Engage deeper than that first response. Because at some point the money runs out. At some point, the Western world leaves these countries because there's a structure in place that's strong enough, but the problems are still real for these people. The spiritual problems that they have are still very real. I don't want to become a person that only remembers to pray on a Sunday. It's probably the biggest fear I have. That life gets so busy, we get so important, that the only time we stop to pray is Sundays. I don't want to consider the rest of the world when it's a new cycle. I don't want to become a reactive prayer to situations that I see. I want it to become a part of the way that I pray. I believe we are all called to be the Good Samaritan, both in action and word, in a visual response and in a spiritual sense. So we're going to have an opportunity now to pray we're going to watch this video and then I'm just going to raise a few areas for us to pray and then we're just going to have an open time of prayer. Feel free to pray quietly in your head. Please feel free to pray out loud. Some of the things I raise you'll know about, some you won't. Some things that I don't raise will be on your heart. There is no right or wrong way to do this. But I do believe God is calling us to be responsive to the things that are going on around us. So we're going to watch this video, and I'm just going to lead us in this prayer time.
2: I want this place to be really uh, like a, a picture of what it is to be with Jesus and it's an invitation me to connect with God, different things, artistic, because I think it connects people with in a different way, maybe a less formal way, maybe less religious in a way, but it's intimacy and when they're connecting with God, then he leads them into praying for different things himself. Here, for instance, we're inviting them to pray for the world and just inviting them to take one of these little hearts, at the invitation, and to place it where they feel on the map their heart is beating, so like a prayer. And as they just lay a little heart on this map, it's like if they were saying, God bless this place. This is for their family. They all have families, and they all love their families. So the invitation is very simple. As if you can write a name down of a family member, put it on the tree, and as they do it, as they stick this little word on, name on the, on the tree, then it's again faith that God is going to do something uh, in their family's lives. These are very, very, for me very encouraging when I see young people writing so many names of people they're praying for, so that these folks will meet Jesus. So that means they young, young people, sometimes you think, ah, oh, they don't really, they are not interested in praying, but they are, they are connecting, and I think it's helping them, because it's making your prayer um, concrete, something, uh, it, it's, it's just helpful for them, I think, to find a, a very practical way of praying. Here in this place, they can write things, I don't know what they have written, it's between them and God, things that maybe they feel impossible but actually with god it can make them possible so they're writing here prayers some stuff that they really are desperate to see god do and and i, I know god is, knows what's on these words and and i think it's really a yeah a way for them to express things that maybe they they would find maybe hard to express in different <coughs> ways. so it's different ways of, of really connecting with god and, and from what you see, the way they express their worship here, you can actually see their their prayers. And to me, it's such an encouragement to keep organizing things like this because I think it helps them really get close to God's heart. For most of them, they come and tell me that they have never experienced anything like this before. And I'm so happy that it's for them an experience of something, an experience of something that that, uh, brings joy to them. get a chance to meet quite a few of them and encourage them if that if it's something that works for them to bring that back to their own church and maybe create spaces like this I think it's very ideal for young people but not only for young people I don't consider myself as a young person anymore and still this is really much a way for me to express my worship through artistic stuff and and practical stuff this can really also impact all the churches of the Baptist Federation and even probably beyond France as well.